Good morning. I have a couple quick announcements as I welcome you here this morning. First of all is the kids. Kids Sunday night programs resume tonight at 5.30 to 7 p.m. in the gym, and they're going to have a pajama party. So uh, make sure you bring a warm set of pajamas. Hopefully it'll be warmer than it was this morning. It's a little bit chilly over there. And also we have CEP registration for church members, and Alain is going to give that announcement that she's part of that board. This announcement comes from the Child Enrichment Program Board. The Child Enrichment Program at Memorial provides a weekday educational program for infants through K-4. The Child Enrichment Program is a natural step from home to school by integrating a balance of play, group activities, conversation, story time, creative art, prayer, and songs, all under the leadership of qualified teachers. Registration for the next school year for church members, memorial church members, will be accepted from Monday, January 19th through Friday, January 30th. Please contact Gail Warner, the director of the program, with any questions or for more information. Thank you. Thank you. Let us begin our worship together. Thank you. 
Let us pray together. O Almighty God, by the birth of your holy child Jesus, you gave us a great light to dawn on our darkness. Grant that in his light we may see light, and that we may have the ever-brightening hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
You may be seated. Let our children come forth for children's time. I guess this is it. It's me and you, Sarah. <laughs> it means you've got to answer all the questions I've got. <clears throat> Not to put any pressure on What's the magic age when y'all don't come up here anymore? John? 12? 10? How old are you, Sarah? Okay. How old is Emma? 12. 12? Okay. All right. <clears throat> so... I guess when you get to be 10 or 12, that uh, you're not a child anymore. Is that right? Okay. Well, let me, uh, let me ask you a question. Why do you think that old people like me and all the other people that do these uh, children's sermons volunteer to do it? Because they want to help the children? Well, that's true. That's exactly true. Um, I'd like to see that. I think there are three other men that come up here, so it'd be nice if we had some more men <laughs> to do children's sermons. But that's my main reason for doing it, is for helping uh, the church and teaching things to the children. Now, it doesn't matter to me if you don't remember my name at all, but I'm hoping that in... 10 or 20 or 30 years, that you'll remember something that I said up here, um, good, and um, that you'll pass it on to somebody else. I think that probably goes for all the other uh, people who volunteer to come up here and do children's sermons. Okay. What, what was our latest uh, holiday that we celebrated? How about right after Christmas? New Year's, exactly. Um, well, the beginning of a new year is, is, can be an exciting time. You know, people have parties on New Year's Eve and welcome in the new year. Did you stay up till midnight? Did you? Okay. Well, good. Um, well, some of us make uh, New Year's resolutions. You know what a resolution is, don't you? Okay. <clears throat> well, it's a promise that we make to ourselves to do something better in the coming year. Now, I saw a... Uh, there's a marquee on a church here in town that I saw the other day, and it said, May your troubles in the new year last as long as your resolutions. <laughs> now, that's kind of a funny way of saying that we don't keep our resolutions, do we, sometimes. Did you make any? What did you make? Um, to stop bugging my mom. <laughs> stop bugging your mom. But, well, people... <laughs> Well, people, um, uh, especially children, might make uh, resolutions like uh, making better grades in school. Of course, you can't improve over straight A's, can you? Can you? Oh, okay. You already make straight A's? Yes, I thought so. <clears throat> but you can keep do things like, I promise to keep my room clean. I promise to be nice to my sister. Uh, those type our other friends, those types of things. Well, the, the new year gives us a chance to forget about all those bad things and mistakes that we made last year and to try to do better this year. So that's what we all hope to do. Um, everybody, even adults, um, are excited about giving, being given a chance for a fresh start. Um, well, in the Bible, we read about a man named John the Baptist. And he was all about fresh starts. He was in the fresh start business. That's all he did was gave fresh starts. Do you know what he did? You've been, you know what baptism is, don't you? Well, that's where we get baptism from John the Baptist. What he did was baptize people. That's all he did. He went around all the countryside telling people to turn away from sin and ask God for forgiveness. And when they did ask for forgiveness, 
Well, he would baptize them in the Jordan River. Uh, now, being baptized in the water uh, showed other people that God had washed away their sins. So that's the connection between the water and washing away our sins. Well, one day when John was baptizing people in the Jordan River, Jesus showed up. It was at the very beginning of his ministries. And he asked John to baptize him. Well, at first John didn't want to because he knew who Jesus was. And he knew that Jesus had never sinned. So he wasn't sure why Jesus wanted him to baptize him. But Jesus insisted. And so after John baptized Jesus, uh, Mark tells us that as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. How about that? Well, we still baptize people to this very day and that's been 2,000 years ago. Um, you probably, you may not remember when you were baptized. In the Methodist Church, we baptized children as babies. Um, but you've, I'm sure you've seen other children baptized here, haven't you? So you know what it's all about. <clears throat> well, everybody likes to hear people say you have done a good job. You like to hear some people say that? Um, I know that you would like to hear either your parents or a teacher say, with you, I'm well pleased, wouldn't you? And that's what God told Jesus. Well, even adults like to hear that. Wouldn't it be great to hear that from God, though? Well, the point of the lesson or the sermon up here today is that if you live your life being a good person and you ask for forgiveness and you help others, then one day you'll hear those same words that God said to Jesus, with you I am well pleased. Okay, let's pray. Father God, we ask your blessing on Sarah and her family and all the children of this church. We ask you to guide them in the footsteps of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'd like to thank God also up in the balcony there. Verses 34 through 43. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one 
whom God anointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let us bow our heads for prayer. Oh Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Almighty and loving God, you care for us so much that you sent your only begotten Son to be your servant among us. You poured out your Spirit upon him that he might bring justice to us all. And so we come this day singing praises to the glory of your name as we worship you. We are reminded that we've been called to be your people not because we were part of the, of the original people of Israel, but by your grace, communicated to us in baptism. And yet we must confess we so easily forget that we are baptized. We often shirk the responsibilities that come with the status of being an heir of your kingdom. We fail to reach out in compassion to those who need our help. And where we have dishonored your grace and have sinned against you and one another, we pray that you would forgive us, O oh Lord, this day. And we pray that you'd pour out your Spirit upon us, just as you poured out your Spirit upon Jesus at his baptism, so that we may also be a light to the world, that we might be empowered to open the eyes that are blind and give strength to those who are prisoners in the darkness of their soul. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would count all of us as your beloved, and especially those that we've named in our congregation through our many prayer list, those that we've named in, in our hearts now. We pray that you bring wholeness to those who suffer from any kind of infirmity, that they and we may give you thanks and praise at its conclusion. We are reminded this day that you have confirmed Jesus as your Son, your beloved, and it is in his name that we offer these prayers. We pray that you'd answer us as you love us, as we pray the way Jesus taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We United Methodists believe that giving is a part of worship, so let's continue our worship with our giving. Let our ushers come forward.
as I said last week, we only have three stories of our Lord before he presents himself as an adult for baptism. Of course, the story of his birth, the story last week as a toddler at Epiphany Star. And in that story that you often hear in Sunday school, but you rarely hear it preached, and that's where he gets separated from his parents on their trip to Jerusalem when he's around 12, and they find him in the temple. And so then his first public act as an adult that is recorded in our scriptures is the baptism that's found in Matthew, or in one of the accounts, it's Matthew 3, 13. Give attention now to the reading of God's Word. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him and said, I need to be baptized by you, but you come to me. Jesus replied, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank You for many things, especially Your Spirit that is with us today. Help us to understand as we think about Your baptism on this baptism of the Lord's Sunday, uh, how important our baptism is and how important baptism is for Christian believers. We pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Just as baptism of the Lord started His ministry, it's important for us to remember that baptism, when we are baptized, it is but the start of our walk with the Lord with our ministry. This sacrament is only a beginning in a person's journey of faith. And it's important for us to realize that this beginning is a is seen as a sure foundation in Christ, as one who builds is the wise builder in the parable in Luke, where uh, you hear of the person who built a house, who dug it deep and laid the foundation on a rock, and when the flood came, the storm struck, but the house did not shake because it was well built. That is what baptism is. And Paul talks about baptism in almost every letter of his church in this sense. He, his Second Timothy, for example, he talks about it being a solid foundation that is sealed with the inscription that says the Lord knows those who are His. So when we present a person for baptism or we present ourselves, we are acknowledging that the Lord knows those who are His. In baptism, we are identifying with an act of faith. That's what a sacrament is. It's an act of faith. It is an act of God in a person's life. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians church, he said, No one can lay a foundation other than the one laid in Christ Jesus. Everything else uh, is just like sinking sand, as in the, as in the, the hymn. In the Ephesians letter, Paul says, in Christ, uh, in our baptism, in Christ, a whole building is being bound together and rises to become a holy temple to God. And when we build on this foundation, it will be shown uh, for what it is. So, in other words, baptism is the sure foundation of Christ. It is the beginning point. It's the starting point. But it's up to us. It's up to us. It's up to every person who's baptized to construct a life that is worthy of being called a holy temple of the Lord. That's one of the reasons why when children are baptized or infants are baptized that they must present themselves at some point at the age of accountability uh, to the church in confirmation. Uh, confirmation is coming up again this spring for a new class. Uh, confirmation is the time when those children who have been baptized, now at an accountable age, will speak freely for themselves uh, as they continue this sure foundation of Christ 
that was begun in their baptism. It is a time for them to publicly promise to continue to the work that was begun by God as they struggle and work out their faith. Now, a person who does not build on this foundation of Christ is like the other part of that parable, you might remember, where a man built his house on ground without a foundation. And when the storm struck, the house collapsed and the destruction was complete. It's important, this foundation. Uh, I don't think we probably emphasize it enough or talk about it enough. But this first Sunday every year, uh, that's called Baptism Lord Sunday, is a great time for us to reaffirm our baptism, to remember it, to be thankful for it. You may have, have noticed whenever we are baptizing someone that the congregation always has a response. And that's because anytime you build something, it takes a community to do it. It's hardly ever that you can build and construct, especially a temple for God, without some other people helping you. I think that's a little bit what Ralph was referring to in his children's time. You see, none of us build by ourselves. It's an effort that requires all the people of God participating. It's very important that all the people of God participate in those that are within their midst uh, to model behavior and to, and to model uh, a righteous living. Because, as Paul told Timothy, the church is the living God. It is the pillar and foundation of the truth. And the only place really in our society today that we will find the stories of truth and the faith shared is in, within the church. For us to grow strong in the Lord, we have to be in the Lord's house because it is a place where people model behavior. It's a place where they can grow in their faith. It's a, it's a, it's a place that really... Uh, your building takes place uh, as you build a life dedicated to God. So it's important to remember that baptism seals us with the Holy Spirit. It makes us, it identifies us as one of Christ's own. Uh, sealed with this Holy Spirit as one of Christ's own, living in community of faithful people, being part of a loving Christian home, all these things growing up within all that uh, means that baptized children or adults enjoy what our founder, Reverend John Wesley, called prevenient grace. That's that grace that goes before us, that is loving us and protecting us and saving us and bringing us into God's household even before we know anything about it even before we recognize God's hand at work in our life. And if you know in the communion liturgy that we say, it always, uh, there's always that part where it says, while we were yet sinners, God died for us, proving God's love toward us. Provenient grace, while we were yet sinners, before we knew we needed salvation, uh, God died for us. You see, God's grace always comes first. And the key for Christian living is how do we respond to that grace? And, and what do we do with that grace? Because God acts faithfully every time He works in a person's life, whether it's through baptism, whether it's through worship, whether it's through communion. Therefore, it's God at work, so baptism can be effective at any age. And since it's God doing the work, it does not need to be repeated. Because God gets things right always and everywhere the first time. And yet we live in a time when a lot of people just still don't grasp that. Uh, we ha I had a personal situation most recently in my own household uh, with my grandson in North Carolina who's a baptized Christian, attends the Methodist church, but attending a different church uh, he, and they were having communion, and he presented himself, as everyone else did, at the chancel rail to, be to receive communion, and he was refused. 
The church refused to give him communion because he did not fit their idea of salvation. So it's important for us to understand that the ignorance of the faith is still prevalent uh, throughout our country. But our faith has been handed down uh, successfully from the very first apostles. And uh, is our faith is orthodox, which means we stand in the orthodox understanding of baptism and communion as the majority of Christians. But there are a few, and in their ignorance, uh, oftentimes hurt people beyond measure. And I think that's one of the reasons that there's so many people who are what we call church dropouts, uh, who were at one time faithful members of churches and who have dropped out. And I want to tell you a true story that is a good indication of this that explains it probably a lot better than I could. It's a true story about a man named Rocky Dumar. Now, Rocky attended uh, at one time a church called Lake Bluff Community Church. But, but at the time that this story was written, he only sat outside on the steps. He didn't come in. Well, a new pastor was assigned to that church, and uh, he, he inquired about Rocky. He, uh, the pastor uh, in there, in that particular church, they processed in from the back with the choir every Sunday. And so he saw Rocky sitting on the steps practically every Sunday. And so he was told that after his inquiry, he was told that Rocky had Down syndrome and that he liked to sit on the steps and listen to the music. But the pastor insisted, why doesn't he come in? And the member said, I don't know, but we, we, maybe you can ask someone else. Maybe they can tell you. Well, the next Sunday, once more, the pastor took his place at the rear of the sanctuary, ready to proceed in. And he, he looked out and saw, there was Rocky Dumar. He said, good morning, Rocky. And Rocky answered hesitantly, good morning. And the pastor said, why don't you just come on inside and join us for the service? And Rocky shook his head and he said, I, I can't come in. I can't come in. I am not baptized. Well, the pastor was surprised and puzzled by Rocky's response. So he inquired more about it later. And he, talked, he was talking to the board chair. And the board chair said, well, it's a long story, but it seems that when Rocky was a child, his mother presented him for baptism. But because so many people talked about it as in a negative way, she didn't have him baptized. You know, he was different. He had Down syndrome. But later as Rocky started to grow up, she decided, yes, she wanted him baptized. And so once more, she came to the church leadership at that time and asked for him to be baptized. And the pastor and the leaders of the church refused. They said this, and, I, and you know, I'll have to tell you that I've heard this myself before and during my appointments at one time or another about different stuff. But they said this, you know, Rocky can't make all the proper responses. He doesn't understand what's going on. And with that, he was not baptized for the second time. And his mother hurt, was so hurt by this, she stopped coming to worship. And the chair of the board told the pastor, she shut in now. But Rocky loved the music so much that he kept coming, and he would always wear his good overalls, but he only sits on the steps where he can listen to the music. Hardly ever misses a Sunday, even in the wintertime. But I guess when his mother quit coming inside the church, he must have felt that he couldn't go in there either. So the pastor just shook his head. Well, when the springtime came and a new confirmation class was started, the pastor decided he knew what he was going to do. He didn't ask anybody. But when Confirmation Sunday arrived and the Confirmation class came up as they do to stand before the pastor and ask the questions or asked, he looked towards the back of the sanctuary and he said, okay, you can come in now. 
And to most everyone's surprise, in walked Rocky Dumar. Had a nice, clean, looked like new set of bib overalls. Had his cap in his hand. And coming along behind him, in a wheelchair, pushed by one of the ushers, was now a very elderly and frail Mrs. Ella Dumar. Rocky took his place in the confirmation line. His hair gray, his large size towered over the rest of the class. A murmur went through the congregation, but the pastor proceeded to ask the questions of each student. And he finally got to Rocky and he said, Rocky, turn around and face the congregation, which Rocky did. He said, Rocky, what does baptism mean to you? And his speech was slow, but Rocky's voice was strong. And he answered, Jesus loves the little children, and Jesus loves me too. And he was confirmed that day, thank the Lord, after all those years. A few years ago, I served a church in Greenwood, South Carolina. And a little girl with cerebral palsy uh, was in that congregation. And every Sunday, her family brought her in her wheelchair and parked her in the center of the aisle. And every Sunday, when I went down the aisle to shake hands, she'd grab my robe and pull on it and smile at me. We got time for confirmation, and I got to thinking about this girl. And she's about the right age, so I inquired of her parents. And they said basically the same thing. We had her baptized. But the way people talk, we never did have her confirmed. And I said, I don't care how people, what people talk. That child can be confirmed. Do you want her confirmed? Because if you don't, I won't confirm her. I won't force it on anyone. I just recently sent out the letter to this next class of confirmants that's coming up. And I said, you may or may not want your child to go through confirmation. It's up to you, but you need to respond and let me know if they're going to be part of the class. And they said, we would love for Elizabeth to be confirmed, but we're not sure how the congregation is going to take it. And we certainly don't want you, Joseph, to get in trouble. <laughs> I've been, in a lot, I've been in trouble before. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time I was in trouble. Oh, Lordy. So we got to confirmation Sunday. I had them roll her up. Same kind of thing, murmur in the congregation. And I got to her and I said, Do you believe in Jesus Christ, Elizabeth? And she said, And if you know cere cerebral palsy, you know they don't have control, you know. She was, yes, with her arms like that. Louder than any of the other confirmand kids. Yes, she believes in Jesus Christ. You know, Isaiah said, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. And the one who trusts in God will never be dismayed. My friends, don't ever let anyone tell you because we didn't use enough water that somehow or another you didn't have a valid baptism. Don't let anyone ever tell you because you might not know exactly what you're doing as a child that your baptism is less than someone else's. Don't ever let a minister or a church tell you that you're not welcome at the Lord's table. Don't let anybody in your family be subjected to that. Don't ever believe that you do not have a valid baptism, that somehow or another we didn't get it right, because that thinking is pure ignorance of the faith 
and its ignorance of our Christian tradition, which has been handed down from the apostles in an unending succession. Friends, it's a sacrament. It's God's act, not your own. God gets it right every time. And the Bible, I believe, is very clear. Ephesians 4 says this, There is one body and one spirit. And just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. My friends, your baptism is valid. And this day, I pray that you'll reaffirm the grace that that represents and that you'll remember and be thankful and faithful that you're in a church where, and not all of you were raised Methodist. Those of you who are not raised Methodist who belong here now, we accepted your baptism as valid. We did not rebaptize you. Why? Because God gets it right. You might have been in the wrong denomination, but God got your baptism right. And we're happy you're here today. Amen. Let us stand. may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit, may they be yours this day and each day. Amen.